Outside, should I run and hide? How do I take my company worldwide? Do you love the law? Did you watch Hee Haw? What's the weirdest thing that you ever saw? What's it like in court? Favorite sport? Can you help with my book report? Is my hair too long? Am I right or wrong? And do you mind if I sing along to anything? Ask Alan anything in the world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of uh, Ask Alan, the podcast. I'm Alan Crone, the CEO of the Crone Law Firm. And uh, today we have a very special guest with us, uh, Ms. Jean McGee, who is uh, one of the owners of uh, Hollywood Feed, a great company located here in Memphis. Jean, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Alan. I'm glad to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. You've, uh, you've got a great company that um, has really... Uh, taken Memphis uh, as its home and uh, really expanded uh, a few stores into uh, quite an impressive chain. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, it has been a labor of love. Well, we were talking before we, we, we got on about uh, your personal dogs and uh, that you've got them there with you. And uh, so I if, do. if uh, we hear them, that's gonna be, that's okay. Um, you know, they may say something, uh, interesting and thought-provoking so we'll <laughs> we'll deal with that however it, it comes but um you're not just in the the pet business i mean you're doing it because of as you say it's a labor of love uh, you you really uh, are looking to improve the lives of pet owners and pets themselves yes i mean our mission at hollywood feed is definitely to improve the lives of pet owners and pets all over um, the country, wherever we are able to serve. And um, Hollywood Feed is dedicated to rescue. And um, we do hundreds of rescue uh, rescue adoptions in our stores you know, weekly. And um, I think the average employee has probably 2.5 rescue dogs or cats. Uh, and uh, sometimes more every week. I and mean, we have a new rescue dog just this week that uh, our CFO and his wife found in their neighborhood. And um, now one of the ladies in our accounting department is fostering this little pity that they found. And uh, Maverick gets to come to the office now every day. If you get adopted by a Hollywood feed employee, you, you've landed well. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I bet. Um, well, let's talk about rescues uh, for just a second. What, um, what, what's the cause in Memphis particularly of the, the need for such rescue operations? Where, where, are these, where are these animals coming from? Uh, and what can we do to uh, mitigate that? Well, Memphis has a very large overpopulation problem of pets. And there are great organizations here like Memphis Animal Services, Humane Society, and dozens of rescue groups that we work with but part of the reason for the problem is the overpopulation and the overpopulation is caused because in the South, unfortunately, the elements in the winter, I mean, we think it's freezing cold right now, but in the winter, I mean, this is rare for us. And up North, the bad weather, uh, unfortunately, doesn't allow a lot of the animals to survive outside in the winter. And we don't have that here. So you have dogs running around um, that are uh, 
you know, not living in homes um, 12 months out of the year that are reproducing and um, the numbers of overpopulation here is, is just a lot of, lot of pets. And um, I know like during um, the hurricanes, the animals will be driven out of their homes down south. And um, a lot of times they're moved here from, you know, New Orleans or anywhere along the coast because animals are separated from their families and the families can't take care of them anymore or can't find them. So they end up up here. We had a huge uh, surge in um, animals in the shelters after um, the latest hurricanes. So it's just, it's a number of factors. Um, people also here are less likely to spay and neuter their dogs, which they should. But um, a lot of times it's sort of a um, sort of a badge of, of honor to have a dog that is reproducing, especially for somebody who may hunt their dog. And um, people here, you know, really like to get a dog bred for that specific uh, purpose. So they might be less likely to adopt from the shelters. Um, so we have a, a lot of dogs in shelters here that need homes. Well, I think one of the, the things that the Strickland administration is really proud of is the way they've um, increased the, or decreased, I should say, the, uh, the euthanasia rate at the, the, at the animal shelter. And I think one of the ways they did that was just more, a more aggressive uh, adoption program. And yeah, they've even, part of that. They, they've even um, worked with a lot. I mean, a number of our employees foster for MAS and um, just getting the animals out. And uh, even if you're not able to adopt, if you could foster an animal and get it out where it's socialized with other animals and with people, then they're gonna be more likely to be adopted because they're more comfortable around people and other pets. So um, the fostering program has really been helpful in getting more animals adopted. How long is, it, uh, is an animal typically in a foster situation uh, before they're adopted? I mean, it could be anywhere from a couple of weeks to a few months. Um, it's not usually longer than three or four months. I mean, every once in a while it is, but most of the time people who foster, I mean, they'll foster for, you know, three weeks to three months kind of thing. Um, and people luckily, since they've been home more, have been uh, adopting animals and um, getting pets left and right because they're at home and they realize it's, if they can't have a person next to them in the, uh, office next to them, it's nice to have a, an at-home office mate. So um, it's been great for uh, adoption, for people to be at home and kids to be at home from school. It's kind of a nice uh, friend to have when you get a break um, that's already in your house. Yeah, it's funny you say that. Uh, we have a lawyer here in our office who did exactly that for that reason. Uh, she said, you know, I'm working at home a lot more and it's just nice to uh, have someone, uh, you know, walk into the room and, um, well, Jane, let's, let's kind of switch gears a little bit and um, tell me a little bit about uh, your backstory. Uh, are you from Memphis? Where, where did you come from? I am from Memphis. I grew up in Memphis. Um, I uh, went to St. Mary's and then I went um, away to school in Atlanta. I went to Georgia Tech and got a degree there and then lived in Atlanta for about 10 years total and then moved back here and worked for uh, Nexair locally. And then when Sean and I got married, we moved to Florida. 
we moved around a little bit, but we moved back to Memphis about 19 years ago. And so I've been back in Memphis for almost 20 years now. Well, you've got an interesting perspective then. Do you think Memphis, um, how does Memphis compare to some of the other places that you that you've lived? I think Memphis um, has much more of a sense of community than um, we lived in Las Vegas for a couple of years and um, it's so transient. We lived in South Florida. It's also very transient. I think people have deep roots in Memphis and they're much more dedicated to the, the culture of Memphis, to the callings of Memphis, um, to making Memphis a better place. And I think they're much, because of the deep roots, people are much more willing to give up their own time to do what they can for the betterment of Memphis. So, so how did you go from traveling around to settling in Memphis and, and getting involved with Hollywood Feed? Well, Sean and I moved back here about 19 years ago because of his job. And at the time I had um, two small children at home. So I uh, wor worked um, mostly as a stay at home mom. And then I worked part-time uh, in sales for a while. And when the opportunity to acquire Hollywood Feed came along in 2006, I think it was a good time for both of us to match his retail expertise with my uh, pet, pet love. And um, so we decided that we would embark upon this together. I think that if somebody had asked me when we first got married, oh, do you see you and Sean ever working together? The answer would have been a resounding, absolutely not. But it's amazing how uh, the twists and turns of life happen. And um, it has been a perfect marriage for the two of us. So one of the things when I think of Hollywood feed, one of the things that I think of, I think of a lot of things, but one is, and I don't know how to say it other than um, it seems to me that y'all are intentional about having an economic impact in this local area. And I'll just say in the Mid-South, because I know that you've got interest down in Mississippi and other places. Was that something you and Sean intentionally started out to do? Absolutely. One of the things that we have been told time after time is how much easier it would be. I think even in one of our commercials, we say that people say it would be easier to make a lot of this stuff in China. And that just didn't seem like the Hollywood feed way and the right thing to do. The right thing to do was to invest in the community. And like I said, people's roots here run deep and the right thing to do is to reinvest in the community by enlarging our warehouse and keeping it here in Memphis and employing more people, employing more people by making products here in America. I mean, we have people come in our stores every day asking for American made products that's what people are asking for. That's what they want. And sometimes it's harder to do it, um, to make it here locally, but it's the right thing to do. I think at Hollywood Feed, we are very intentional about doing what is right by the customer and doing what is right by the employee, doing what is right by the company. I mean, that's our very simple motto and under that umbrella would definitely fall reinvesting in the community by making dog beds, you know, a hundred miles from Memphis in an area that really needed the work. 
Now, are y'all, is that Hollywood Feed Direct or are you, you contract with somebody down there? We do not own the factory. So we contract, but we have very close relations with our dog bed factory and um, are down there monthly to um, just check on things, to uh, come up with new ideas. I mean, we years ago decided to take the scraps of the dog beds and make collars and leashes out of them, which was uh, an activity that was doing what was right by the planet to, re to reuse scrap that we were throwing away. And people also liked the fact that their leash matched their dog bed. So it was a win-win for us. Yeah, it's good business and, and good policy. Yes. Um, the, um, it just, uh, the thought just went completely <laughs> out of my mind. Um, In a moment. We, that's what we all call it. Uh, um, well, that's it. That's, that's interesting. Any other, uh, how about food? Uh, do you, uh, how locally sourced is the, the food that you, that you sell in your stores? We have probably 10 brands of dog food and they're all sourced in different places. But I mean, the food is all US made. You have to buy food where there are dog food plants. There aren't just dog food plants that pop up everywhere. So the dog food plants um, sort of determine where your food is made. Um, you can't, I mean, I guess you could build a dog food plant but that is a major undertaking. And um, so most of, most of the food is in, is manufactured in the Midwest, just because that's where a lot of the raw ingredients are that go into dog food. And there, a lot of the brands that we buy from um, have had generations of family that have been producing dog food and manufacturing dog food in the same areas for generations. Well, I know that um, your business you're kind of at an interesting crossroads uh, business because you, you, you're retail and retail has had it, uh, has its challenges in the pandemic, uh, but you're also in, in a retail that um, is kind of coming under fire, not under fire, but you've got a lot of competitors online and uh, big box um, companies trying to move in uh, on you. Uh, over the last year or two, how has that played out in your, in terms of the offerings that you have for your clients? Well, I think competing with the online retailer is the biggest, um, I mean, that's our biggest competition out there. The big boxes really, frankly, don't do a very good job. So they're not um, that big of a competition because anybody who wants personalized service would not shop in a big box. And a lot of times, when somebody comes in and they need help with their pet, uh, if you go to a big box, there's no one there to help you out and give you advice. And our people and their knowledge has been what we're known for. But when you compete with an online retailer, um, it's a little bit different game. And I think one of the things that we've been fortunate enough that we were able to do is to roll, a, roll out same day delivery. We were able uh, with the support of our investors to purchase um, about a car for each store. So about a hundred cars during the beginning of the pandemic. And so now we can have dog food delivered to your door when you come home from work and realize you're out and we can deliver it faster than Amazon can. So um, 
we delivered in about an hour and that has allowed us to keep up with the online retailers because we're able to get it to you quickly. And if you have a question, when the delivery driver is dropping off the product, unlike an Amazon driver, the Hollywood feed driver is the same person who works in the store. So they can answer whatever questions you might have and would have give you the same expertise as you would get by shopping in our stores. Uh, we've also offered curbside pickup. So for people who are out that don't necessarily want to come into the store, they can place an order online and choose curbside delivery and pick it up usually within about 30 minutes and they never have to leave their car. So the convenience of that, I think is something that the pandemic made, um, really brought, caused a need for, but I think it's a convenience that people have gotten used to, whether they're at Target or at Kroger or at Hollywood Feed. And I don't think that the consumer is going to quit using that just when we're past this pandemic. I think they like that uh, convenience. And we're fortunate that um, our systems were able to uh, accommodate that and allow us to serve the customers in that way. Yeah, I mean, just ask the fast food retailers who've been doing drive-through for years, um, you know, people, people like that convenience. Well, one of, it seems to me, one of Hollywood Feed's unique selling propositions is that um, they're local, they know you, you know, uh, you go in and they know your pet, they uh, can give you expertise, all that, that kind of stuff. How, given the fact that this, this um, I don't know, uh, remote or uh, uh, arm's length transactions are going to happen, how, how has Hollywood Feed tried to keep that connection while at the same time uh, delivering products more virtually or without as much in-store uh, contact and communication? One thing we've done is to make our training that we do for our employees, we're now making it available to the public. So for instance, tomorrow, I believe, uh, we have a dog food, a dog trainer coming in to train about adolescent dog behavior. And two years ago, that was only available to a Hollywood feed employee. And now for free, all you have to do is sign up. And I think tomorrow we'll be broadcasting it three different times. You can go in for free and listen to the advice given by a professional dog trainer. So we've made the, the training and the information sessions available to our customers through our Hollywood feed platform. And all they have to do is go sign up for free. So they're still getting that personal knowledge and that help, even if they are not comfortable to go in a store. And I think we have um, well over 1500 people signed up for the class tomorrow. Uh, it's been very well received by the customers that we serve. Now, is that part of your Hollywood Feed University program? Yes, it is. Okay. And what other kinds of, of uh, resources are available through that program? Well, any of our past classes are available. If you uh, heard one and about you know, training your dog and you thought, you know, I bet there's more out there. The past classes are all available. So you can still go uh, to Hollywood Feed University and listen to past classes. 
we really just started rolling it out about a year ago. So it's um, new for us, but it has been really well received. And, um, you know, we are going to continue to expand the subjects that we cover under Hollywood Feed University. You know, it, it, the, as I listen to you, uh, it kind of reminds me of what happened in the financial services industry 15, 20 years ago. When I was coming up, there used to be a, a profession called stockbroker. Stockbrokers don't exist anymore. They're now they're financial advisors. And I think the important thing there is that um, it's the value that they add that really is the service as opposed to just, you know, buying and selling financial, uh, you know, financial uh, investments. And that's now starting to trickle down to a lot of businesses, including yours, where what you're really, the service you're really providing is this support and the food is just a extension of that as opposed to the primary um, thing that you're selling. Do, it, am I off base there? Not at all. I think when you talk about you know, people's investments and the uh, financial planners, I mean, that's something that obviously is, is very important to people. And probably only their children and maybe their pets would be something that they would be as concerned about and really be willing to do the research to do what is best for the life of their children or, or their pet. I mean, there are not very many things that people are willing to invest uh, time and energy in to just to do the research so that you know, the dog can have a better life. We may have already talked about it, but what, what, what do you think from your perspective, you know, you've, you've, uh, how, you've been with Hollywood Feed now, what, 15 years, more than 15 years? Yes, it's about 15. Okay. Um, what's different about business now than when you started? I mean, obviously online retail is, um, I mean, it's something you can do from your phone while standing in line at the grocery and, you know, an ad can pop up on Instagram and you, you can buy your wife a Valentine present while standing in the line at the grocery in a matter of moments. And you couldn't do that 15 minutes ago, 15 years ago at all. I mean, we, we had the internet and we bought things on the internet, but not with the frequency that we do now. And I think that people expect all the answers to be at their fingertips instantly. Um, I, um, I got an email, uh, uh, it's probably several weeks ago. Uh, I had a package delivered at my, my house. And um, I honestly, I, I guess this is going to kind of cut a little bit against what I'm saying. Because um, I don't remember exactly which company it was that delivered it. But they sent me a picture of the package on my doorstep. And I circulated that around to the folks in my firm and I said, now this is our competitor. You know, it's, it's this expectation that people uh, are going to, uh, you know, measure us against, not against other law firms necessarily, but against the other services that, that, they're, being, uh, that they're being provided. Uh, have you seen any influence in similar influences. In other words, companies that, that uh, 
don't sell pet food. They do other things, but uh, that has affected your the way you do business. What What's our friend's name here? Our friend is Gus. Oh, I like that. Gus, Gus. how you doing, Gus? Gus is an 11-year-old uh, Great Pyrenees St. Bernard. Oh, very nice. Who's very, very nice. sweet. But he Just, does I, have I, I love those small, cuddly dogs. <laughs> he is. He's a lap dog. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask him. So any outside influences on, on your business uh, in other industries where you said, hey, we've, we've got to adapt here because people are going to be holding us accountable to this level of service? Chick-fil-A comes to mind because at Chick-fil-A, you can drive up and their uh, drive-through line will be out onto Poplar. And yet somehow 12 minutes, you're through their line. And I think being as efficient and polite and accurate and helpful as the people at Chick-fil-A um, would is always something we strive for. Um, wherever you go, it's it's the same which whatever Chick-fil-A store you um, you go to. And um, uh, we're gonna have to yeah, we, sit now. Damn. <laughs> um, I, we are constantly trying to benchmark people like Chick-fil-A, deliveries like Amazon sending the picture um, and trying to keep up with that. Those would be definitely two that we look at. And I get to look, we have a secret shop service that we use in our stores and I get to look at the reviews and whenever we get paired, compared to Chick-fil-A, um, it, it always makes me smile. Um, they say we're as efficient, efficient and as friendly and as knowledgeable as Chick-fil-A is. Um, that makes me feel good that we're doing doing it right. Yeah, the days of just handing you a bag uh, and taking your money are over in terms of being successful in that industry, particularly. Yes. Um, and, 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 you know, I think that's business all, all over. And maybe that's a good sign for our society that um, people are valuing um, politeness and knowledge and those kinds of substantive things over pure cost and time. Absolutely. Whenever I get to read that a customer says they were genuinely happy to see me come in the store, that's what everybody wants to feel. And I think if we can do that for customers, they're going to continue coming back to us and walk out of their house and come into the store rather than always shopping online, especially, I mean, I think during the pandemic, that's what we lost some of is that personal touch, that one-on-one -on -one with people. And, you know, we need each other. And I think people are longing to get back to that. Um, we love the convenience of the online, but gosh, don't you miss hugging somebody? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, uh, I think it really has shown everyone how important other people are in our lives, even the most, uh, you know, uh, introverted and uh, curmudgeon people among us realize that they, you, you need other people. We were created to be in community. And um, I think going forward, it's going to be interesting to see how um, people create community without, um, while still enjoying the convenience of some of these things that we've, we've kind of lucked onto through the pandemic. I was fortunate enough to be one of the delivery drivers for one of our stores 
who was short staffed over Christmas. And as I was making deliveries all throughout Cordova, the number of people that ran to the door as I would put the dog food on the doorstep and ring the doorbell, but they ran to the door just to say hi and let me see their dog. And the dog would run out to meet me. And, you know, we, you know, I was masked. I kept my more than six feet of distance, more like 20, but the dog still wanted to come say hello. And people were just so glad to say hello to someone and uh, Merry Christmas. Sure. Sure. Well, you, um, Hollywood food, in addition to uh, Hollywood feed, in addition to, uh, what we've already talked about with uh, regards to uh, rescue animals, you guys are still really, really involved in the community in terms of um, charitable uh, works and support. Uh, tell me a little bit about y'all's work with the canine units. We feed for free all the canine dogs. Uh, we just think they're working for us for, for, for the people and it's the least we can do to help them out. Um, we've had a long standing partnership with the canine units and um, have fed them for free for years. Um, it's just, it's just an easy partnership and um, it's, it's the least we can do. Well, yeah, and it, it's very helpful on a lot of, on a lot of levels. Um, we're coming into, to colder weather, as you as you uh, uh, pointed out, uh, as you say, it it I always say we have we're amateurs in Memphis on uh, winter weather. My daughter is in school in Chicago, and and she's getting a professional winter this year. Do um, you have any tips on um, what people can do uh, that may I mean, you know? bringing pets in when it's cold is kind of intuitive. Are there, are there things that people can do that maybe are, are not intuitive that would uh, make their, their, uh, their uh, furry friends a little bit more comfortable during the winter? Well, not everybody is able to bring their pet in at night for whatever reason. So if you aren't, I mean, to make sure that they have some kind of shelter from the wind um, is very important if you're not gonna bring your dog in and to make sure that they have not frozen water. Um, if you leave a bowl, if you'd left a bowl out overnight, I promise you the water would have been frozen. And chances are it's still in the shade this morning, so it hasn't thawed. So making sure that your dog has fresh water every day um, and it's not frozen is, is really important. I mean, it sounds simple, um, but um, those are things you can do if you have to leave your dog outside. And people who have short-coated dogs, like pitties or greyhounds, they really want a sweater to go outside. They don't want to go outside. My St. Bernard, he's happy to go outside when it's 20 degrees and he doesn't notice at all. But if, if you have a dachshund, um, a visla, any of those really short haired dogs, they really need a jacket. My daughter goes to school up near Chicago as well. And she just took our chocolate lab with her with an entire wardrobe of clothing as well as boots. Um, to protect her feet from the cold and the salt. And um, so she's you know, double layered up and, uh, but I, I think down here, I mean, the, the, a lot of those short haired dogs do really need some protection and I wouldn't leave my dog out overnight at all. I mean, I don't even leave them outside when I leave the house. But um, like I said, to be a Hollywood feed dog, you, you're living in the laps of luxury. Um, but I just, 
think being mindful of them on those really cold nights, which I think next week it's supposed to be in the single digits. And um, if you can't bring them in to at least put them in the garage maybe and um, make sure they have some shelter from the wind. And sometimes they won't, um, because they're not as active in the winter, they won't eat as much because they're not as active and not to worry if they're, they're not as hungry as they would have been when they were running around a lot more. And that's okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got to watch, you've got to watch your, your pet's weight, just like you watch your own weight. Right. And, you know, a lot of old dogs, when the weather gets cold, I mean, they're just like us, their joints bother them. So um, when they spend a lot of time out in the cold weather, you, you may need to get some more joint supplements for them and um, supplement with something like that. All right. What's, uh, what's next for Hollywood Feed? Uh, you're at, what, 106 stores now or more? Or more? I, I think you're right. I think it's 106. And uh, we will continue to grow, but uh, we're probably going to be a little conservative in 2021 and just see how things play out. Um, things are looking promising, you know, with the vaccine rolling out and everything. I think things are opening back up a little bit, but um, we are not going to be foolish and um, charge too far ahead without, you know, making sure that, um, you know, we're being prudent. Do you think you're... I know it's hard, as you said, with the pandemic and everything that seems like business changes so fast, but is your growth strategy to the extent that you're going to grow going to be um, store centered, or do you think you may gravitate more to uh, the online virtual uh, model? It is definitely still store centered. I mean, people, like I said, people like to come in the stores. They like to bring their pets in. They like to know that we know Fluffy's name. Um, I think they long for that interaction. Um, you know, we in Memphis here, we offer services like uh, grooming and dog wash. And um, there's nothing better than to go into Hollywood Feed with a dirty dog and to come out with a clean dog and you didn't have to dirty up your own house. Um, we ask that you clean up after yourself in the dog wash. But um, I think it's, $12 or $15. I mean, it's not very expensive and um, it's a great service. I mean, people, especially if on a nice weekend, a sunny weekend, they go out to Shelby Farms and take their dog on, on a great walk and then come in and get a clean dog for the week. So um, I think people will still come in the stores. I still st think they want that interaction and it's easy to get a little advice if you're having some itchy problems or some stomach problems. Um, we're known as the pet food experts and uh, hopefully people will continue to come in as they have been to still get some advice or even just touch base with our employees. It reminds me a little bit of another great Memphis company, AutoZone. Um, you know, you, in theory, you could order an auto part online and get it shipped to you, but there's something about going into the store and uh, asking the, the person behind the counter and getting that help um, and developing that relationship that I think keeps AutoZone going. So uh, it's yeah, just that's a where my husband well you do it, training. I think is the deal. And that's where my husband got his training. So it is, it is not surprising that our model is not that far off of AutoZone. Wow. I, and I, I did not know that. So I, I, score one for him, I guess, uh, in, in 
putting that stamp on your operation that it's uh, that I that even someone like me could see it. That's that's pretty cool. Um, you know, I, very I, observant. I think that, um, you know, I think the challenge for business kind of going forward is how is how to do that. And if you look around in Memphis and I won't call any names because I I don't want to embarrass anybody, but, you know, and I think restaurants are a good example of this. There are some restaurants that have uh, embraced the Chick-fil-A model and have re, re uh, uh produce their experience in carryout, uh, they're probably not doing as well as they would have if they had in-person in dining, but they're doing well. And then there's some uh, restaurants that basically it seems to me have said, well, if we can't do it the way we've always do it, we're just not going to do it. And then there's everything in between. And the people that figure that out, I think, are the ones that are going to be winners in the, in the 20s, um, you know, over the next 10 years. And the people that want to live in the teens are, are going to lose out. I absolutely agree. I mean, it's not just the restaurant business or the retail business. I mean, it's all changing. And if you don't continue to adapt and change and look ahead to see what's coming down the way, somebody else is going to do it and give people an easier, better way to do it. And you're going to lose out. So at Hollywood Feed, we're always looking ahead to try to see what the new play is down the road and to see if we don't, we don't necessarily benchmark other pet retailers. It's other retailers in any industry, um, whether it be the hotel industry, whether it, you know, whether it be a restaurant, um, how are they serving people in a way that we could adopt for us? And I think you always have to be looking to see how you can improve and evolve in order well, to right. in well, order to stay alive. That's right. I, I think um, you know there's a, there's a great business uh, book. Uh, you know uh, who moved my cheese? I think that's the title. Yeah. And you know I, I haven't done a study of this, but my impression is is that uh, you know in, in the '80s the cheese was getting moved once every maybe ten or fifteen years. Now it, it's almost yearly, if not quarterly, when things are catching up with him. I mean, if you're if you're a business that relies heavily on Google uh, for you know SEO or pay per click or whatever, you've got to stay on that pretty much week by week to understand how that's working. So uh, it is uh, important to observe what's going on around you, and you guys certainly are doing a great job of that. Well, thank you, thank you. I think you know the challenge for us is. Uh, all the social media platforms, you and I are not the people who need to investigate those and decide what our presence needs to be and what we need to be doing. We need our daughters. I mean, it's their generation um, who knows um, because they're on them all the time and they know much better than we do how to reach the audience on the social media platforms. So I think that we need to make sure that we're bringing on um, the young, fresh ideas that can reach that generation. I mean, you and I are, are not the people who need to put our heads together to figure out how to reach them. That's right. Uh, I, someone uh, told me yesterday that one of the new uh, ways of looking at it is that that generation are native uh, you know, technology users, we are immigrants. 
we're, we're coming to it, people of our age are coming to it from a different land and we don't speak the language. We don't know where everything is. Uh, we don't understand the culture. And uh, you, you got to figure out a way if you're, you know, 45 plus uh, to look at that new technology and adapt it, adopt it, um, but not pander to it. And right. I think there are a lot of folks my age pandering to the technology as opposed to really embracing it and using it. Absolutely. I would, couldn't agree more. I mean, I think uh, today we're taping our first TikTok um, and rolling out TikTok this week. Um, I, I, the only time I'm ever on it is if my daughters send me uh, a TikTok video. But um, luckily I, I have a stepdaughter and uh, she's got a, a partner at work and the two of them are rolling it out. And that's what we need somebody who's 23 to do, not me. Right. Right. You know, I think uh, lawyers are, uh, most lawyers will, will get on TikTok in, in about 20 years. Uh, <laughs> that's when, that's when they'll be on TikTok. Um, and, and, you know, frankly, for someone like me, it's been a blessing because uh, we've, we've really tried to embrace social media and, and that technology. And as you say, you, you got to do it in an authentic way. Um, where the people are, not the way a lawyer thinks that he or she should be presented. And I think that translates over into, into pet food and everything else is you've got to come at it with what do people really want to see. And at the end of the day, it's kind of, it's infotainment. You know, it, you're trying to yes. get something across about your brand, but you can't lead with the brand. You got to lead with what something interesting. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, unfortunately, my, my husband and I are both first children. And in my experience, firstborns are not the best entertainers. You, you, you need somebody who, who's a third child to be the entertainer. Because <laughs> it's not usually a firstborn. Um, we're, we're usually the, the uh, if you read all the books, I mean, we're, we're the responsible people who get things done, but we're not the best at entertainment. Well, you, you've been, a, uh, that's a great segue. You've been a great interview well, thank um, you. and very entertaining. Uh, I've enjoyed meeting Gus. And, well, thank you. Um, uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a great time. I appreciate your time and, and your willingness to do this. And everybody out there, if you have a pet or you're thinking about getting a pet, check out Hollywood Feed because they know pets and they know how to help you take care of them. And uh, Gina, again, I appreciate it. And uh, I'll maybe we'll do this again, again, sometime. <laughs> well, thank you, Alan. I appreciate your time. All right, very good. Uh, I just want to say to all of our listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, please check us out on social media if you've enjoyed this. And my goodness, uh, let's not kid ourselves. It, it's been highly entertaining. Um, please share this or forward it on to a friend who you think might uh, enjoy it. Until next time, I'm Alan Crone, the CEO of the Crone Law Firm.